Well, good morning. Man, we are so glad all of you guys are here, whether it's in person or online, coming together to worship on a Sunday morning. Man, there's something special about that. So glad you're here. If this is your first time, second time, maybe you're still a guest, stop by our guest services on your way out. Let them know who you are. We'd love to get to know you. We have something special for you, maybe as you're considering making Central your church home. We'd love to have you here each and every Sunday. Well, before I get started, I want to thank all of the volunteers yesterday that came and helped with the food packing. We packed around 80,000 meals for South Sudan and the Ukraine area. So thank you so much. It was great to be able to see so many different generations come together and work side by side for the same common purpose. Well, you remember last week that uh, I had made a reference in my sermon about maybe pulling a prank on Pastor Bob. You guys remember that? I said, maybe I could do something to his office while he was gone. I want you to know, man, you guys gave me a lot of great ideas through the week. So thank you. Thank you. But you know, I also learned something that if you're going to go down, which if I pull the prank off, I'm going to end up in trouble. I hope you know that. I've always heard it's wise to have an accomplice. You got to make sure you have someone to go down with you. And since Pastor George isn't here, normally he would be right there with us pulling a prank. I thought you guys could be my accomplice. How about that? I thought I could put on the screen maybe three or four options and I'll let you guys vote on what we should do. What do you think? I'm not that crazy. Don't worry. No way will I do that. But guess what? Now Pastor Bob's going to be so disappointed that you guys wanted to do that that maybe he'll forget that it was my idea to begin with. So maybe this will all work out. We like to have fun. We like to have a good time. Well, hey, this morning as we get started, I just want to encourage you, if you didn't, if you weren't here last week or you haven't watched the message, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. It really does lay the foundation for this series and even what we're talking about today. But if you remember that we, when we give our life to Christ, we're given a new identity, okay? The old is gone. It's not just covered up. We are given a brand new identity. And there's really a stark contrast, like we talked about, between our old identity and our new identity. And when we think about that, if there's a stark contrast between the identities, there's also a stark contrast in the way in which we live out those identities, our behaviors would look very different from our old identity, the way of the world, compared to our new identity, which is in Christ. And so this morning, that's what we're going to be spending our time looking at. We're going to be looking at the difference of how we might have lived, what our lifestyle might have looked like in the past, compared to how God wants us to live out our new identity that is found in Him and Him alone. All right? All right, would you stand with me out of respect as we read from God's Word? We're going to read from two different places this morning. First, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And also from Galatians 3, 26 and 27 that says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your love is so great that you would welcome us into your family and call us children. We know that we cannot live out our new identity alone and we need you. Help us to live out our new identity 
that is in Christ. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so we see right here, we go back to that whole identity where we've given our life to Christ, we give a new identity, and we are called children of God. You know, when we start thinking about children, many characteristics come to mind. There's many. But one that stands out is the need a child has to be led. Right? A, a child doesn't understand how to live life yet, so they need someone in their life to lead them. They can't provide for themselves, so they need someone to lead them and provide for them. A child doesn't know right from wrong. They don't always know the, the wrong behaviors and the right behaviors. So a child needs someone to lead them and teach them and grow them. A child can easily wander off and find themselves in danger or in trouble and harm's way. So a child needs someone to be in their life to lead them away from it or help them to get out of that trouble. For us as children of God, it's the same thing, isn't it? We can't provide for ourselves. We need God to lead us and help show us and lead us to those provisions. We don't always know right from wrong. We don't always know how to live out our life the way we should. And so we need God to lead us. We can easily, as children of God, wander off, find ourselves in trouble or danger or in harm's way. And so we need God to lead us away from that danger and out of that danger. But you know, there is one difference that really stood out to me when thinking about being a child of God and being led versus being led as we do as parents with our children. And it's this. As parents, we get to a certain point, and, and typically in our culture, in our society, right, it's at about the age of 18 where we say, okay, you're no longer a child, you're now an adult. I've done what I could. I led you. I provided for you. I protected you. I tried my best to teach you right from wrong, but guess what? Now you're an adult. Now you need to go lead yourself. Now, I'm not saying that's the right way of parenting. This isn't a message on parenting, but that is really how we approach it in our culture, don't we? But that's not how we approach it as children of God. You see, I, I yet to find when I was studying and preparing for this, a place where God says, okay, you're no longer a child. You're an adult of God and you no longer need me. You're on your own. Go lead yourself. While there might be different levels of maturity, God never says that. We are children of God from the time we come into the family and for all time. And if we are children, then we cons consistently and constantly will need led and guided by God. You see, we're in a new identity. We've never been in this place before, have we? And when you are in a new place, you need someone to lead you. Think about maybe visiting a different country, a place you've never been. You hope that there's someone there that can lead you and guide you because you don't know where you're going. You go to a new school. Hopefully there's somebody there that is going to come alongside of you and lead you and show you the ropes because you've never been there. It is new to you. And so now we are in this new identity and it is new to us. We've never been there before. So we need God to lead us and direct us as children of God, to show us the way so that we can live out the new identity the way that he has designed it. Let's look at this here. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
So we keep saying we're children of God, but look, one of the defining characteristics is allowing God to lead us and to lead us by the Spirit. Some of you might be asking the question, oh, okay, well, where did the Spirit come from in this? Last week, we talked about finding our new identity in Christ. And if you think that, well, good, I'm glad you were paying attention. But we know that when we give our life to Christ, when we come in relationship, in union with Jesus Christ, he sends the Holy Spirit into our life. He sends the Holy Spirit into our life to dwell within us. And so we continue on in that relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as believers and as children of God, we have to look at our lives and we have to realize that we are now being told by God that as my child, I want to lead you and I'm going to do it through the Spirit. So we ask ourselves the question, well, where is the Spirit leading us? What is the Spirit leading us to or away from? And we look in Galatians and we begin to see. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we see that the Spirit is leading us away from the flesh. The Spirit is leading us away from our old identity. We see that the flesh and the Spirit are in conflict, conflict with each other. Constant, right? We see that because we know there's that, that tug of war where we're constantly being kind of pulled back to our old identity. The world comes at us and says, no, no, live like you used to live. But we see that the Spirit leads us away from those desires, takes us away from our old way of life, those acts of the flesh. And we're called to walk in the Spirit because we can't do it by our own strength. I know some of you have tried it. I've tried it. And when I try to do it on my own, I'm unable to have the strength to walk away from those desires. It is by being in relationship with the Holy Spirit. We walk with. We don't get ahead. We don't lag behind. We are in relationship with the Holy Spirit. That means we have to be in God's word and let the Holy Spirit guide us and show us God's word. What does it mean? And how do we apply that to our life? We have to be in prayer. We have to listen for God when he speaks. The Holy Spirit will speak in your life, but you have to be in a place to hear it. So many times it's just a quiet whisper. And if we're not still and quiet and looking for God to speak to us, we're going to miss it. But the Spirit is there in leading us away from the old lifestyle and into the new one so that we can live out our new identity to avoid the desires of the flesh. You might be asking, well, what exactly are the desires of the flesh? Well, lucky for us, God spells them out. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We see a laundry list of items that pertain to the flesh, that pertain to the old lifestyle. We see Paul begins with saying that, that these desires of the flesh, they're obvious. And I don't know about you, but when I look around right now 
And I look at those that don't have the new identity and I look at what the world is doing and how they're acting. It is very obvious, isn't it? It's very obvious that the desires of the flesh are being fulfilled. And it's not just the actions, but there is truly a desire from people that it is okay to live like that. And they encourage it and they promote it. But that's not our identity as believers. God tells us to walk away from that. But it's also obvious because it's obvious because you and I have a new identity. The Holy Spirit helps us to see and and, and enlightens us and opens our eyes to that old way of life and makes it obvious so that we can avoid it. Think about when you became a believer and not even just when you became a believer, but even now in your life. There's times where maybe you go back to an old place or with an old group of friends and you walk in and you just kind of stop in your tracks and go, that's not how I remember it. I don't remember it that way. Is this what we did? Is this how we acted? Is this how we lived? And in the moment when you used to be in that old lifestyle, again, you thought it was okay. You didn't notice it as much. But now with the new identity and being led by the Holy Spirit, you realize and your eyes are opened and you go, oh, that is not the way I'm supposed to live now. The Holy Spirit stops us and shows us and brings to light the things of the flesh. But then not only brings it to light, but then gives us the the power and the strength to walk away from it if we walk with the Holy Spirit. Now, at the end of the verse, it says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I want to bring clarity to this because I don't want you to think that, oh no, in my new identity, if I stumble, if I fall short, if I give in to a desire of the flesh, then I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about those that live like this, that, that have this ongoing lifestyle, that choose to live like this and desire to live like this. In fact, they want to live like this because they think that it is okay. It's explained a little bit more, Paul, in Romans. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You who, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So we see Paul kind of going back, and there there again is a stark contrast between the realm of the Spirit and the realm of the Spirit, or the realm of the flesh and the realm of the Spirit, excuse me. And so what we see there is Paul is talking about a lifestyle, an identity. The flesh refers to the old lifestyle, the one in which we are not in relationship with God, the one where we're angry towards God. We live a life that nothing we do pleases God. And it's not just by actions. It truly is a hatred for God and what is good. And Paul is talking about that those people, those people that are the unbelievers, those that have chosen to not accept the gift of Jesus Christ, those people who live out that behavior, 
who think that that way of life is the right way and live it out over and over again, those are the ones that Paul's talking about will not inherit the kingdom of God because there is a judgment coming. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And we need to know that, that as unbelievers in the old identity, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's important for us to make sure that we are doing our part to share the good news, isn't it? To tell people about the the change in our identity so hopefully we can lead them to the change in theirs. But we see in there where Paul is contrasting and he says, okay, so those types of people, those people that are living in the world, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. But he says, don't worry, you're not in that realm anymore, are you? No, because he tells us that we are now in the spirit. We've given our life to Jesus Christ and now the spirit lives inside of us. And so we, our identity has been changed. And so we will inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we won't fall short from time to time. But in that new identity, Christ has paid for our sins. And now we'll do everything we can to walk away from the flesh and, and have the spirit to encourage us because we want to grow in our identity. We want to become more like Jesus Christ. But stumbling will not keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God when you've made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. We have a new identity and we can celebrate and rejoice in that. So if we look at it and we say, okay, well, if this is the old way of life, these are the things of the flesh and the old identity is gone and the old behaviors are supposed to be gone, the old lifestyle is gone. Well, what do we replace it with? We have a new identity, so what is the new lifestyle? What are the new behaviors? And so we go back to Galatians, and we see, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So we see that with the old identity and the old lifestyle and the old behaviors being removed and God saying, hey, that's not part of who you are anymore. And now being led by the Spirit, our life should reflect a life that is filled with the Spirit. And that means that our life should be producing fruit. It's a stark contrast to the world, isn't it? We look at the desires of the flesh and they are opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. It makes me wonder if, as a believer, if if the acts of the flesh are so obvious to me, I wonder if those that are in the world, if our behaviors are just as obvious to them. I hope so. Because our behavior should be a complete opposite of the, what the world says is okay. And so it should catch the attention of the world. They should look at us and see us differently and know that we are not of the world. But our life should produce fruit. So this morning, before you came to church, I hope you produce fruit with your kids or with your spouse or whoever it was before you came to church. When you're here at church and with one another, produce fruit 
in your life group or your Sunday school class this morning. Fruit should be produced. When you leave here today and you go to the grocery store, and even if only one checkout lane is open in the whole place, still produce fruit. When you go out to lunch and your order it is messed up and it's not made the way that you hoped it should, or, or maybe the waitstaff is a little bit slower and doesn't meet your expectations, we're still supposed to produce fruit. We're supposed to produce fruit anywhere and everywhere and in every part of our life. And it's not by our own doing. It's by the Spirit. It's by being led by the Spirit. So this week, when, when you go to work, you should be producing fruit. Doesn't matter the circumstances. Doesn't matter how everyone else is living. They may not have the new identity, but you do. And in that new identity, it is up to you to bear the fruit. I think about when I was a kid and, and my grandfather had, had fruit trees and, and one of them was an apple tree or a couple of them were. And I would go over there and there'd be so much fruit on the tree that the apples would just be falling as you're standing there. Just be falling all over the place. That's how our life should be. Walking with the Spirit, we should be so filled with the Spirit that everywhere we go, fruit is just falling from us. The people are getting to experience love and joy and peace through us because the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. You see, we've been given a new identity, and that new identity should bear fruit everywhere we go and in all situations. I love how Colossians 3 really kind of sums up a lot of what we're talking about this morning. So we're going to start in verse 5 and, and go through verse 14, but it says this, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, be your old identity, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Notice some of those are actions and behaviors. Some of them are thoughts and desires. But the last line there, you used to walk in these ways. This is the life you once lived. That is past tense. Paul is speaking to believers again saying, it's not who you are anymore. This used to be a part of your life, but not in your new identity. So now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. If you were here last week, this really is an example of, of when we took the t-shirts of our old identity and we took them off. And in its place, we put on the new identity, the new self that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. This new identity, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I want to stop for a second here and just talk about the unity that comes from this. You know, it's very easy. The world is very divided and sometimes that division trickles into the church, our church or the big C church even. And we, and we start getting divided over matters and issues. And, and, and I want to point out that where we come together and unified is in our new identity. 
See, you and I, there might be differences on the outside, but our identity is the same. Our identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. And if you and I have the same identity, then we're the same. We are equal in God's eyes. And we should come together as a church, not just our church and one another, but the church. Come together and unite in that identity and live it out. Live it out and focus on what matters most and have an impact on the kingdom. Unity is crucial. And this is the basis for our unity, that we are all the same in Christ. So we see the old life. God compares the old life, right? And we saw in Galatians that it used to be our life and we replaced it with something else. And so we get to this point in Colossians where we are replacing the old identity. And Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I see some fruit in there, don't you? Some of those are representations of the fruit, but they are in stark contrast to the ways of the world. We should be able to stand out in a world that doesn't practice forgiveness. We should be able to forgive one another. In a world that that does not appreciate humility, we should be able to put others before us. We should exhibit patience and love and kindness. We should be different in our new identity. The Spirit is leading us into this new identity. And God is telling us, these are the ways you used to live. These are some of the desires. These are some of the behaviors and actions. But no longer live in that place. It is time to live out your new identity. And I will lead you in that through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit not only leads us in the day-to-day, but we also see something else that the Spirit does in our life. We look here in, in Romans, after some of those verses where it talks about us being children of God and, and, and of the Spirit. And Paul tells us, The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we see that when we give our life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we become children of God, we are truly adopted into God's family. What, What an amazing thing. And when Paul is talking about adoption here, it really would have stood out to the church in Rome at that time. Because Rome had a special law on the books. And, And it basically was this, that if you were adopted into a new family, you were given full legal rights into that new family. And those full legal rights meant that you received an equal share of the inheritance. That wasn't the case in all societies and cultures. There would be different rules and ways of going about um, dividing up the inheritance. But in God's kingdom, 
Paul is using the example of adoption by the Roman law and saying that when you are adopted in, you are given full legal rights, full rights into the family of God. And with that comes a full inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. Now at the end here, it talks about how we, are, we might have to share in the suffering to share in the glory. And I want you to think about it in this context that if we are adopted into a new family and we are given new legal rights, that means our old rights are removed. The old rights are severed. And so for us, our rights as now children of God have been severed in the world. And guess what? The world does not like that. The world is not excited that we left the way of the world with those desires and that lifestyle to come into a new family, to live differently in the new identity. The world wants to pull us back in and wants us to be okay with that lifestyle, wants us to get on board with it. And because we're not, because our rights are not in there and we don't belong to the world, just as the world did not recognize Jesus and persecuted him and went after him because he was not of the world, we too will face those sufferings. We might get made fun of. We might be ridiculed. Our business might get uh, financially impacted for standing for the truth. We might face all kinds of persecution and sufferings that we never expected or anticipated. But when we leave the world and come to our new identity, we can bet that the world is going to attack because the world is not glad that we are no longer with them and that we are part of a new family. But we're talking about an inheritance that awaits at the end of that suffering. And so I want to encourage you today that with the inheritance that is coming, I promise you whatever suffering we have to face in the world and from the world, it is worth it with what's in store and what's to come. Because I know that the inheritance to come, well, I can't even imagine how amazing it's going to be. I know that there is nothing that the world that can give me now to compare. And so I will deal with the suffering because I want to be a part of God's family. I want to be his son and I want you to be his sons and daughters and live out that new identity that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. We see the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 marking us with a seal. It says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we see the Holy Spirit when we talk about this inheritance. When we give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our life, marks us with this inheritance, guarantees us that we will receive what Christ has promised. And so when we look at this, and as we begin to kind of bring it all together and slowly start to wrap up this morning, what we see is that the bottom line really is this. Eternal life should and must lead to eternal living. Because the same spirit that marks us with our inheritance, that guarantees us the life to come, is also the same spirit that is leading us in the here and the now. You see, God desires a relationship with each and every one of us and wants to be with us for all of eternity. 
But his desire is also to be in relationship with you now. He wants to be in relationship with you now through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not just about getting a ticket punch and getting on a bus to heaven. Yes, we want everybody there and that is what matters. But it is also about letting that impact you now and living for God and with God now. You see, when we come into a new family, there are new expectations. There are new relationships and a way of living. As a father and, and having children, I have certain guidelines. I have certain rules. I have behaviors I hope and expect out of them, a certain lifestyle. And it's not because I do it or, or require that because I want to exhibit my power over my children. I have those in place because I love my children that much. I love them that much that I want what's best for them. And as children, they don't always know what's best for them. And so I, I, I ask some certain behaviors and lifestyles and I lead them in a way because I want them to experience life to the fullest. I don't want to see them making decisions that, that are harmful and can hurt them. And that's the way it is with God for us in our new lifestyle. He tells us that this is our new life. And so to walk away from these old behaviors, and I want you to live this new way, not because of the authority and setting rules. He does it because he loves you that much that he wants you to live out your new identity. He wants you to reap the benefits. He wants you to, we go back to those longings. He wants to fulfill your deepest longings through that new identity, through living out your new life in a new way. God knows what's best for us. He knows what's best, and that's why he sent the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us so we could live that way and live it out because it is what's best for us. So the old lifestyle, the old ways of the world, they've got to be gone. We remove them and we walk away from them and we walk into a new way of life that is being led by the Holy Spirit. But we have to be attentive to the Spirit. We have to set ourselves up and put us in a position to hear from the Spirit and then lean on the Spirit to lead us, to give us the strength, to give us the power to walk away from it. It's truly amazing when we step back and look just truly at a transformed life. God is so amazing that he wouldn't leave us where we are, but he loves us so much that he truly would make us a new creation and give us a brand new life and not ask us to do it on our own, but to walk us through it and to guide us and to lead us and to give us the strength to live it out each and every day. Some of you may be sitting out there today and you've never given your life to Christ. And you're, and you're hearing the comparison and the contrast between the way of the world and, and the way of those that have given their life to Christ, the way of the Spirit. And you might be thinking, man, I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I don't like how I was living. That is God prompting it on your heart and trying to get your attention this morning. I would encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. And maybe today you need to make that decision to give your life to Christ to accept him as your savior, to realize that he died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And he didn't just stay there. He died and he rose again. 
And when we believe that and confess it, then guess what? We're saved. We are given that eternal life that we talk about. We are marked with the Spirit. But God also wants you to live with him now. And that is through the eternal living. And so if you're praying that prayer this morning, if you want to start that journey, I encourage you to go out to starting point. It's out in the foyer, outside the doors. We want to welcome you and congratulate you on the eternal life, but we want to join in with you on the eternal living and help point you in the right direction and walk with you. But as children of God, we have a new identity. And because of the love of God, he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to be stuck in the old ways. He doesn't want you to live through those desires. He wants you to live out your new identity. And we're thankful because he gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in that. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful to be called sons and daughters. We are thankful to be your children. We are thankful that you walk this new life with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us will be attentive to what the Spirit says and that we will walk in step with the Spirit in our new life and in our new way. Guide us so that we may live out the identity and bear much fruit, fruit that will impact the world, will impact our families, will impact all of the places that we are because we want to represent you and we know that we do it when we are led by the Spirit. Thank you for the eternal life that comes through you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for marking us with our inheritance. Help us to live out our eternal life here through eternal living. And it's in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen.